First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul told Timothy, The saying is trustworthy. If someone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. It is a great honor to serve the Lord's church as an elder. However, one does not just wake up one morning and find oneself qualified to be an elder. It is indeed a task to which one must aspire and to make decisions in life that will lead him to be an elder. And this aspiration is not just for a man. It is also something for his wife, because if there are qualifications for the wives of deacons, how much more then should the wives of elders be held to such a standard? Now, the qualifications for an elder and for an elder's wife should, in truth, be a standard of living that many brothers and sisters in Christ will be able to uh, live up to and aspire toward. And that is why it is good for us to consider from the scriptures the nature of the eldership, uh, how one aspires to be an elder, the qualities that define an elder and his wife, and uh, why it's so important to have elders whenever possible. Now, the office of the elder has many terms attached to it in Greek, and this has led to significant confusion and the reason why you can see all kinds of church governance models uh, in the world of Christendom at large. The Greek word presbyteros means old man or elder. The English words, we get presbyter, presbyterian, come from that word. And it is uh, either a description or an office, as with the word diakonos, which can mean servant or deacon. Presbyteros can refer to an older man in general, like in chapter 5 and verse 1 of First Timothy, but also to one who has the office of an elder. In terms of the office, the New Testament always speaks of a plurality of elders in a local congregation, as in Acts 20 and verse 17 with Ephesus, and Philippians 1, 1 and Philippi. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 1, the apostle elder defines himself as an elder among elders. The word we use in 1 Timothy 3, 1 here is episkopos, which is an overseer. It's one who oversees. It's often translated as bishop. We get the English word episcopal or episcopate from episkopos. Uh, now, one of the first divergencies we see from the pattern established in the New Testament uh, is the idea of one bishop over many presbyters over a congregation. We see that with Ignatius uh, of Antioch uh, by the year 115 or so. But in Acts chapter 20, uh, in verse 17, Paul had called the elders, the presbytery of Ephesus, to Miletus, and he exhorted them in verse 28 to take care of the flock over which the Holy Spirit had made them overseers, or episcopoi. Uh, in First Peter chapter 5, in verse 1 and 2, Peter makes the same equivalence. He exhorts the elders to oversee uh, the church that is among them. The elders and overseers are therefore the same people. Uh, the elder men of the congregation who meet the qualities, qualifications of First Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7, and Titus 1, 6 through 9, and have been made overseers of the flock. There's also the Greek word poimon, which means pastor or shepherd. And pastor is a designation most denominations use to describe the office of the evangelist. But in the New Testament, that's not necessarily the way the term is used. Said in chapter 5 and verse 2 of 1 Peter, Peter exhorted the elders, the presbyteroid, to shepherd poimino, which is the ver verb form of poem on the flock, and also to oversee it. And so it's elders or overseers who are called to really be the shepherds or the pastors of the flock. There may be preachers like Peter who are also qualified to be elders and have been installed in that role. But just being a preacher does not mean one is automatically such an elder, such a shepherd, such an overseer. And so we can see that the elder, as an older man, is to exercise oversight and to shepherd the local congregation over which he has been called to serve. 
And it's good for us to recognize how important that role is and its uh, significance. Uh, the Hebrews author in Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 17 speaks of those who have a rule, which probably people like the elders, uh, that they have to give an account for their work. That there is accountability for how they do the shepherding. Uh, that they have a shepherd themselves, a chief shepherd. They are under shepherds of the chief shepherd. And so on the day of judgment, an elder will be held not just responsible for himself, but also for how he shepherded the flock. And so the role of an elder is quite serious and requires a lot of strength and faith that he can bear the responsibilities well and can be, do well in his task. And that's why the Hebrews author also says that they should do this with joy and not with complaints. That would be no advantage uh, for you. And that's why they should obey such leaders and submit to them. And it's also good to thank and encourage elders for uh, all the things that they are doing in their work. So now that we've looked a little bit at what an elder is, how it's defined, and its importance, let's look at the qualities, the qualifications set forth in the New Testament for the kind of person that an elder uh, is to be. This is how we can aspire to be an elder, is to make sure that we are striving to live and to manifest these qualities. We begin in First Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. As we uh, saw that it is a desire, good work that is desired in verse 2, the overseer then must be, or it is necessary for the elder to be. It's very important to note that this is a construction in the present tense. In Greek, the present tense denotes a continual or repeating action. This is not a situation where an elder once was. It is an elder is to continually be. These qualifications must be are, are expected to be continually met. Above reproach. We also see this in Titus 1 and verse 6. And really, the whole way the construction works is that the elder, the overseer is to be above reproach. That's what they're supposed to be. Everything else that Paul is going to list here is commentary of being above reproach. Everything else is how he demonstrates how he is above reproach. Because his conduct, faith, and obedience will not be able to be called into question very easily. He must be, above reproach, the husband of one wife, literally a one-woman man. A qualification that demonstrates it's a man, then women who are to serve in the capacity of an elder, cannot be a polygamist, uh, cannot be single, divorced, or widowed, and an elder. Um... There is some conversation to be had about husband, one woman man. Does that mean that he has been married to one woman at all throughout his life? Or is it possible that he has been a widower and has married again, according to what is allowed in Romans 7, 4 and, and 1 Corinthians 7, 39? Or if he uh, d had divorced a spouse for their sexual behavior and married another, uh, conceded in Matthew 19, 9? Uh, there's matters of conscience about that. Um, Either way, however, we can see here the idea is that he is to be married. That's the thrust of what's going on here, that he is presently a married man. Temperate, self-controlled, sober-minded, self-controlled. Uh, these are somewhat synonymous, uh, involving uh, sober-mindedness involves the mind, self-controlled involves the, the rest of oneself. Uh, free of intoxicants is a somebody who is sober-minded, uh, somebody who is not uh, given over to alcohol to other drugs, but also was not intoxicated by various things in the world. Uh, that term can be used in a multiplicity of ways. And self-control is, again, someone who maintains 
themselves indecently is not known for going out in excess and in immorality and maintains control and discipline over their mind and body. Respectable. If you're going to be a shepherd of souls, you need to be able to command the respect of the flock. And therefore, somebody who is an elder, by faithful living, sound teaching, and continual encouragement, gain the respect of a congregation, and as we're going to see, also those outside. Hospitable. We also see this in Titus 1 and verse 8. From 1 Peter 4 and verse 9, we're all supposed to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And it's very hard for an elder to shepherd a flock when he doesn't know the flock, hasn't had his flock into his house, or hasn't spent significant time with members of the flock in various places. Able to teach, an able teacher. If you're going to shepherd, you need to be able to direct. And to direct, you need to know the basis of direction, which would be the basis of what God has made known in Christ. You cannot oversee a flock well if you cannot teach and instruct that kind of flock. Uh, this can refer to a kind of large kind of assembly-level Bible study or teaching situation. Um, we see in 1 Timothy 5 there are elders who are active in preaching and teaching. But just because someone does not do that as well, perhaps they're better at teaching across the table uh, in smaller groups. As long as there is some form of ability to instruct, that is what Paul's really looking at here. Not a drunkard, but not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Also Titus 1.7 and also in 1 Peter 5 and verse 2. We can see this in comparison and contrast to the works of the flesh for the spirit in Galatians 5, uh, that the one who is sober-minded, self-controlled, will not be a drunkard or violent. Uh, it's important to note these things because these are things that people can demonstrate. They're not to be mastered by anything but in being control of themselves. And that also involves knowing when to have conversations and arguments, when to stop those conversations and arguments, lest they become known as quarrelsome. Uh, there are many who seem to think that as long as they can keep inciting quarrels that somehow they're on the right side arguing for truth. But as we can see here, that is not always healthy or useful. Yes, when there is time that discipline needs to be enacted to make a stand for the truth, the elder needs to do such a thing, but they should not be looking for such a fight. Money is the root of all kinds of evil, and an elder will be a good steward of money, not one who loves money, made money an idol. Uh, because if they're a lover of money, they will find ways of embezzling, perhaps, or not being entirely honest with the finances of the church and can cause great ruin and misery upon himself and upon the Lord's people. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? N.E.T. He, uh, to keep his children control without losing his dignity. Um, we see here a qualification that quality that, that even has a rhetorical question attached to it. A head of the household. Today, we look at it as a nuclear household with, uh, you know, wife and children. Uh, we have to remember in the ancient world that that would have been included, but also any household servants, things of that nature. Uh, households were a little bit more broadly understood in those days. There's a lot of argument about whether an elder should have more than one children. Uh, children itself does not in indicate that the ch individual has plural children, uh, but uh, that is an argument that many people will have. Um, and Paul gives an explicit reason for the qualification. That should kind of guide our understanding. If a man cannot manage his own household well in a dignified way, which comprises three to five people, ancient world, it could be quite larger with the uh, servants and everything. How can you become a manager of the house and church of God, which may comprise many more people? That 
it is the training ground in many respects uh, for an elder is the household uh, because the manifestation of a well-run Christian household and a uh, good shepherd is faithful children. Now, some people want to take this and, and run with it. What happens if sometimes children fall away? Uh, sometimes children will fall away because of resentment of parents or other reasons to demonstrate a lack of good management. And it should be made known here that the, the idea that the, the, the household members are being governed well with dignity, that these children are not very small children. These are older children who have the ability to rebel in significant ways. Uh, the idea that somehow children are only under your care provision or, or leadership until they're 18 is a very modern and unwise phenomenon. Sometimes, however, it is true that there is a, a child or two who will fall away for reasons that have nothing to do with the way they were raised and don't speak against the management of the household. And let's be clear, it's possible for a family to also have faithful children despite the fact their father mismanaged things. I mean, there's, there's, this is not a silver bullet here in it by any way, shape, or form. And so that is why we need to remember these qualifications, these qualities, that there's not this kind of abstracted out ideal elder that everybody needs to conform to. Instead, these are the kind of qualities in, in the people that you kind of look for if you're in a congregation trying to establish elders, or like Timothy here, who is supposed to appoint elders when the opportunity arises. And it's also something for us to consider as we strive to aspire to be elders and realize that the way it gets adjudicated is on a case-by-case -case basis. And that's the way that all of these things are to work. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6 and Titus 1 7 is called not arrogant. So an elder needs to be mature in the faith. Um, one who is not as mature in the faith and who has not been well tuned to the fruit of the Spirit may become arrogant, begin to lord over his power, falling into condemnation, may may fall away easily, maybe more like the the the, so, the rocky soil uh, in Matthew 13, and a lot of problems can come because of that. Likewise, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Again, one of these interesting things in the New Testament where we have to remember that there's multiple perspectives, and that's why we take a 3D and not a flattened 2D version of the text. There are a lot of passages, of course, in the New Testament where there is the expectation that children will be, Christians, excuse me, will be treated with hostility in culture, that they will have a lot of people who will treat them poorly. But then you also have passages like this, where Paul expects an elder to have a good reputation outside. Well, well, Paul, if, if Christians are being persecuted everywhere and maligned everywhere, how can an elder have a good reputation? Well, even in those circumstances where there is persecution, one of the things that was very irksome to the Romans was that these people are being hauled up into the courts for being these seditious Christians, but their manner of life did not seem to betray this kind of insurrectionist or diabolical mentality, uh, that begrudgingly sometimes they would have to concede that these Christians were decent human beings doing decent things. So even in those circumstances, the elder might get the begrudging respect of people who otherwise despise him because of his faith commitments. But I think that there's also the expectation that while there will be persecution at times, there's also just kind of an ambivalence sometimes. Uh, it doesn't mean that an individual Christian cannot be thought of well. We see this to this day where there may be certain groups of people who we look at in society and we're kind of suspicious or skeptical of them because of their commitments. But when we get to know them as individuals, we can see what kind of people they are and we have to grant and concede that they actually are decent human beings. Uh, and the reason for this is that it's very possible for people to have a Jekyll and Hyde type personality where they're one type of person in the church and they act very differently around other people. 
And an elder must not be that way. An elder must be somebody who everybody can see the kind of person they are. And even if there are people outside who don't agree with them on everything, they can still uh, appreciate him for his his integrity, his decency, uh, for being a, a, a good person. So thus we have the qualifications as set forth in 1 Timothy. We can also turn to Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, where uh, Paul has told Titus that he left uh, him in Crete to set in order the remaining matters to appoint elders in every town. So the fact that there's a lot of consistency between the qualification of the overseer in 1 Timothy 3 and then elders in Titus 1 is, again, a demonstration that they are, in fact, the same type of person, the same role. Um, we've already noted some similarities, but there's some other things. The way that he describes children here in verse 6 are that his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Um, there are some who would like to argue that the uh, children's faithfulness is faithful to the parent, that they listen to the parent, not necessarily to Jesus, but it's very hard to imagine how you'd have situations where children would truly be faithful to their parents but yet not faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why it is not a burdensome expectation for elders to have children who are generally faithful to the Lord Jesus. And not just that they're you know, believers, but they actually walk in the way of Jesus, not liable to charges of flagrant sin, which of course would call into question how well the elder has raised them and how the elders has conducted himself. Not arrogant, quick-tempered, but upright, holy, and disciplined. Again, very similar to First Timothy chapter three, uh, but kind of extra ad perspective there. Uh, not to be puff up or quick to anger, but patient and slow to speak. Uh, highest quality conduct is expected out of the elder to be upright, holy, and disciplined, manifesting that fruit of the spirit. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Much more detail there in verse nine about what it means to be able to teach. And that an elder must be able to know and teach so that he can instruct and edify the flock, but also keep at bay those wolves who would devour it. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, Peter spends less time talking about the qualities of what makes a person an elder and much more about what an elder is to be doing. They are to serve not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have it. They should shepherd and oversee, and everything that involves with shepherding. They should not be domineering over those... Uh, who under their charge, but to be examples of the flock. And thus they're not to be little dictators. They're not little lords. They're shepherding by example and exhortation. Uh, they willingly give of themselves to serve others that they may all obtain the resurrection of life. It's not about a power trip. It's not about advantaging certain people. It's about self-sacrificial love to guide, direct, and encourage fellow Christians. So thus we see the expectations that Paul has laid out for elders. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11, uh, in terms of the middle of the context of the deacons, Paul says, uh, Likewise also their wives must be dignified, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in every respect. Uh, there'll be maybe notes about wives uh, or uh, also the women. Likewise the women is what the term is. Uh, there's some conversation to be had as to does this mean deaconesses, you know, women who are servants uh, with an office in their own right, or is it the wives of the deacon? Um, the context cannot tell us. The context does not provide enough detail to tell us. Uh, however, we can understand that if a deacon is to be of a certain conduct, 
A deacon's wife should probably manifest certain levels of conduct. Likewise, if that's the case with deacons, how much more the elders, of whom much more is required, therefore also of the elders' wives. And so, yes, the wives of elders should most definitely be dignified, uh, just like they're, the women are above reproach, so should they. Uh, there's a lot of influence that spouses have over uh, one another. They're not to be devils. They're not slanderers. Uh, Satan is a devil because he slanders us before God. The wife of the elder should not engage in that kind of conduct, and that can tear down very easily. Uh, they should be sober-minded, as we saw already with uh, elders, so with uh, the women, uh, and faithful in all things. Uh, in Titus 2, 3-5, through 5, again, uh, the older women, likewise, are to exhibit behavior fitting those who are holy, not slandering, not slaves to excessive drinking, but teaching what is good. In this way, they will train the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, fulfilling their duties at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the message of God may not be discredited. Is this something only expected out of wives of elders? No, this is of older women. This is where... Uh, the entire group would be understood of anybody who has reached a certain age. However, if that is to be true of older women, how much more should it be true of the wives of elders? They are to be reverent. They are not to be enslaved to anything. They are not against, not to be not to slander there. Again, uh, it, it, for what it's worth, uh, do you think Paul is really concerned about them being slaves to excessive consumption of grape juice? I doubt that's the concern. Again, a reminder that the drinking of wine was certainly normative at that time, but it was to be done in a moderate way and not to excess. Uh, they are to uh, love the, uh, to instruct the younger women in body and faithfully serve and teach them and guide them in loving their husbands and children, so being submissive to their husbands, to be self-controlled, pure, to be workers at home, things of that nature. Workers of home means that they are keeping the household management going, which was the domain of women in the ancient world. Uh, that the, the man would go out and do his thing. The wives, the women were in charge of running the household and all the various servants and functions going on in there. Uh, this much is argued about can women work outside the home. Uh, and that generally comes from a place of privilege to even be able to argue for that. Uh, it should be noted that the household needs to be run and that management needs to be maintained. Uh, otherwise, the text does not come out and, and impose upon anybody a certain uh, way of living in terms of how uh, employment and things of that nature uh, works. So we can see here that elders have responsibilities to oversee and shepherd the flock, and their wives also are to be women of faith and to be examples and to be an encouragement and a way to instruct and to uh, support that work. Uh, any elder worth his salt will talk about how much support that the wife, his wife provides for that work and that they're certainly a part of that work. And that is why it is important not just for the men to aspire to be an elder, but for women to aspire to be the wives of elders, uh, if that, that they are willing to take on the work that that is required for that function uh, to go well. So the work of the elder is trying indeed. There's a high standard of conduct. And what do you get for it is a job that is often thankless, often getting seeing and hearing about the worst of people uh, and getting treated sometimes rather poorly. But as Peter says in chapter 5 and verse 4 at 1 Peter, the unfading crown of glory is the reward for the elder who serves well and who shepherds the, the flock of the master the way that he would have it done. And it's a mighty and good reward indeed, and it will be worth the toil and the burdens. So thus we can see how one can aspire to be an elder. Uh, that the standards here are are not, you know, there's we can see that there are certain things not expected to everybody. You don't have to be the husband of one wife. You don't have to 
have uh, children who are faithful. I mean, nice, obviously, but those are things that you can be a Christian and not in those conditions, right? Uh, but we see that the elder is to be a Christian above reproach. Doesn't mean they're better than everybody else. It means that they are uh, have maintained the kind of conduct and the kind of example that would in, would give others confidence to follow their leadership and direction, which is the whole concept of why the eldership even exists. And that you can't just become that one day. That is something that you have to work for and strive to. It's not the easiest work, but there are benefits to it. And congregations need it. The Lord's people desperately need to be shepherded. Uh, in many ways, uh, in Matthew 9, what is said about Israel can be said of us that the people are sheep without a shepherd. Uh, that there needs to be wise, faithful men who are able to guide, direct, and encourage uh, the next generation uh, to embody a more healthy faith uh, and, and more healthy ways of moving forward uh, than perhaps they have seen in the past. And that is why it's important for, for men who are in a position who to aspire to be an elder to do so, and for their wives to support them in that and to, to aspire to be the wives of elders. Uh, that God may be glorified and that good work may continue. So glad that you've joined us. I'm Ethan. I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational church of uh, Christians seeking to make fellow Christians in Los Angeles. We'd love to uh, hear your comments or questions or thoughts about uh, aspiring to be an elder. Please let us know uh, in the comments. Continue our conversation or you can reach out to us at VeniceChurchOfChrist.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. We pray that God would provide faithful elders for his, his congregations. We pray that he would, in Jesus, provide that kind of leadership and to uh, give men a heart to aspire to that role and women the heart to support and encourage them in that role, that people, fellow Christians, would submit to their leadership and to be well-shepherded and encouraged, that God will be all in all, and that the Lord would bless and keep us until we're able to meet again.